Do you remember the days when moral decision-making was easy and clear-cut? Remember when doing the right thing meant playing by the rules and doing what you're told? There used to be a time when everyone knew right from wrong. We all remember that time because at that time, we were all eight years old. When we became adults, making the right moral choice became a lot more complicated. In our first reading from 1 Samuel, we have this scene of David and Abishai sneaking into Saul's camp at night. David and his troops are about to do battle with Saul in what was essentially a civil war. Saul had turned away from the God of Israel and had led his people astray. So they have the opportunity to kill Saul in his sleep. They've got a clear shot. No one will know. And consider this. By killing Saul, they could circumvent the next day's battle in which thousands of people would likely die. So what would you do? The logical, prudent choice would have been to end Saul's life. But David elects not to do it. He spares Saul's life because Saul was chosen by God. True, he had gone bad, but he was still the chosen leader of Israel. David could have decided that this opportunity was a sign from God that he should dispatch Saul because God had delivered him into David's hands. But David makes a better choice. What would you have done? Who says that the morality of the Old Testament is all black and white? For the record, Catholic moral theology teaches us that it is never acceptable to do evil that good may come of it. Or if you prefer, the ends do not justify the means. So on that level as well, David made the correct choice. What we have in the gospel today is a section of Luke's gospel called the Sermon on the Plain. It's Luke's equivalent of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus lays out some principles for living. And the difficulty is that what he suggests is completely crazy. Think about it. Most of his listeners, and most of us today, operate on a level of moral decision-making that's based on fairness. When we are particularly impressed with ourselves, we call it justice. And what it usually amounts to is this, follow the rules. If someone breaks the rules, we apply another rule, perhaps an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Damage demands restitution. Crime demands punishment. Let the punishment fit the crime. It's all perfectly fair, and it's the basis for our system of criminal and civil justice, as well as the basis for a lot of our foreign policy. And Jesus says it's not good enough. He suggests crazy things like love your enemies, turn the other cheek, bless those who curse you, Lend without expecting repayment. What's that? That's not a loan. And what about be compassionate as God is compassionate? Well, how compassionate is that? Totally, completely filled with compassion? Jesus says, do not judge and do not condemn. What kind of crazy talk is this? 
Yes, it sounds crazy. It sounds like we could never live that way. People will walk all over us, will take advantage of us. What happens when we run out of cheeks to turn? What happens when we run out of coats and shirts? And most importantly, what happens when we run out of enemies? Today, we seem to need enemies so that we can exult in our victimhood. Having an enemy or an oppressor can seem to give us the moral high ground. Today, often our greatest moral entitlement is outrage. I'm not saying that people aren't actually victimized, nor that outrage is never justified. But we can become addicted to our own anger, forever demonizing the other and basking in our own perceived righteousness. To see only the most recent examples of how far this addiction to outrage can take us, just look at our frequent need to cancel anyone who deviates from our accepted orthodoxy. Politically and culturally, we do this, both on the right and the left. Individually and collectively, we have wandered far from compassion, justice, or the simple mercy that Jesus demands of us. This gospel passage may be the most challenging in the entire Bible because it asks us to make our moral decisions based on something other than compliance with rules, notions of fairness, or our visceral outrage. Jesus asks us to leave easy decisions behind and follow him, moving towards perfect compassion, generosity, and forgiveness. We're afraid of that because we know where it leads. It leads to the cross. But we need to let go of that fear and trust in God's deeper fairness and God's deep mercy. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The measure we measure with will be measured back to us.